for love of code we are here to just talk about software development about um you know all things software related um i'm chris ruddick i got tim johnson over there on the microphone hitting all the switches um we're just going to kind of have conversation and you guys are all along with us so hopefully you find something uh something good something entertaining um so a little bit of background, um, Tim and I work for the same company, uh, Prime3 Software is the the, uh, the Powered by Prime3 Software podcast and broadcast of For Love of Code. Um, we started working together, geez, eight, nine years ago. Uh, we both have had a pretty diverse and, and long um, careers as software developers. And... Um, we're we're really passionate about our craft so we wanted to share that with um with the world so here we are yeah has it been nine years i don't know when did, uh i had a baby when we first met and you had a pregnant wife when we first met so how long ago was that how long is your how old uh, your youngest how's what would have been all right, my youngest is seven. Yeah, so yeah, it's probably eight years. Mm. That's cray cray. Yeah, a little bit. That's a cool. A that's bit. a cool kid say. <laughs> is that what they say? That's what my that kids what are. Said? That's my kids. That's what my kids are telling me. Is that what they say, Grandpa? Yeah. Hey, we're not going to talk, Grandpa. So, uh, <laughs> you don't know how to hit the subscribe button. That is true. I had to have my kid teach me how to subscribe to YouTube yesterday. So, um, yeah, I, I, here's the deal. So technology went on this like laser fast course where all this newfangled social media and video games and streaming and all that stuff started right around the time that I was really poor and starting a family. <laughs> so, so so I had video games in college and then I didn't have money for video games anymore. So then I didn't have video games. And then by the time I started having vid money for video games, I had kids and then I didn't have money anymore. So now I've got a little bit of money and my kids spend it on video games and then they promptly kill me in everything. Yeah. Like all the social media, everything. I kind of got left behind because I was at home with me and my wife in the stone ages just rearing little ones and now they're grown or growing or grown to the point where they don't need me as much i'm like so far behind the times and they're showing me their tiktok dances and i'm like what what is this newfangled equipment here? What's going on there, kiddos? let me tell you about the war so so that's my excuse and i'm sticking with it yeah i don't have that problem I play video games all the time. Yeah. Not those kind of video games, though. Like I've, although my seven-year-old still kicks my butt in uh, Fortnite. So um, yeah, like the the minute they switch to two um, joysticks, is that what they call them? <laughs> oh gosh! No, what wow! Are, what are the things with your thumbs? What are those called? Thumbsticks. Uh, Whatever they are, you know, when they stood, they when just, PlayStation started putting out the control with the multiple thumb controls, and then you had like two triggers and all the buttons on top. And I mean, like, I my level of sophistication was like Nintendo sixty four, and I was really good at that. And then I got left at the station. Uh, so, so now my kids are like, "Hey, Dad, you want to play Call of Duty?" And I'm like the guy like aiming at the ceiling, yeah. and like in the corner and i'm like how do i look up and they're like they like look dad i, I sh i'm gonna shoot you in the face and i'm like these games are fun kids thanks for inviting me to play along get your kill score up yeah well i so, will have my kids log in as me oh so, so, so they can level my guys up <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that a thing in like world of warcraft like you would you could um you could program like a bot or something to like level you up. Oh no, they actually have paid services where you oh. like guys in the, like the Ukraine or something like that. They'll play the video game for you. 
and, and level you up to a certain to a certain point. You, you like if you pay to level twenty five, they'll play the game and level you up to twenty five. That's entrepreneurship at its best, right yes. there. Yes, and it's a big business too. Well, I mean, what does it cost to get you to a level twenty five? Like, I mean, I guess if you think about it, like, I have limited time. I don't want to spend all the time going from level one to level twenty five, where I know all the good stuff happens. So I'll just pay this guy 50 bucks and then my mage will have all the star power or whatever, yep. whatever you gamers call it. And, um, and, you know, I saved all that time. Yeah. 50 bucks is worth, worth like 17 hours or however long it takes you to get to that point. So Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss, what is it? The four hour work week four hour work principle week, right? right there, baby. Yeah. There's another guy I, I subscribe to, um, Naval. He's a, super wealthy podcaster guy um i think he was wealthy before he was a podcaster but um he says know your 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 hourly rate and don't do anything that's less than your hourly rate and he set even early on when he had no money he set his hourly rate really high so that he just wouldn't do things that weren't worth his time so his hourly rate he started out at like 300 bucks and he's like he says i, I would get stuff from amazon and i wouldn't even return it because it wasn't even worth my time to get my $7 back because my hourly rate's 300 bucks. And I'm like, eh, that's fair, but I, I, I'm still gonna get my seven bucks back. <laughs> so I found this article um, yesterday, last night, uh, says six things that make a great software developer. And we've had some of these conversations, uh, you know, kind of impromptu, uh, as, as we've gone uh, through through the work that we do on a daily basis and some of the teams that we interface with. Um, wanted to get your take on this. Um, some of these feel like uh, common sense. Some of them feel like uh, common sense. I don't know. They say number one is curiosity. So I totally buy into that because um, I think if you're not, learning if you're not evolving and you're not kind of trying to continue to expand what you do you're going to get left behind in this business i mean you kind of have no choice um especially at the at the pace everything's changing you know when you look at um like what twitter did twitter started out with ruby ruby on rails and quickly figured out oh that doesn't scale but they got you know a whole brand new programming language the, to start what Twitter is today, um, you know, that was a started out as a hobby. So you got that, you've got machine learning going crazy. And that's, that's evolved from a language called R. And I just read an article the other day that's talking about Python is now a requirement if you're going to work in the data sciences. And that, while Python is an established programming language, um, you know, I recall coming out of college and they were asking for Python people, um, you know, what was that in the two early two thousands, they were, they were talking, really, talking really about early. Python. So, I mean, it's Python's been there for a while. Um, and R Python's came out of nowhere. Python's basically just C programming from way back in the day. Uh, I guess, I, I don't know. C, C makes me sick to my stomach cause they, all the ideas of the, the, memory pointers and all that stuff. As long as I don't have to manage my memory anymore, I'm yeah. usually pretty happy. If I have to manage memory, that's a bad day. That feels like a bridge too far, even for a programming perspective. And then, you know, on the exact flip side, I, I believe it's uh, Google's Go. Its whole, its whole uh, reason for being is to prevent you from getting these buffer overflow memory leaks. Um, so it's, you know, that, that stuff constantly, I mean, it feels like an every day, a new language is popping up. So, um, yeah, we, we see that learn. Though, like, remember, I mean, not too far in the past, you know, all the Java based languages kind of popped up. You had, um, Groovy and Kotlin and, and Scala, you know, Erlang, yeah, you know, it was all like, Oh yeah, these are going to revolutionize things, and you had this kind of like mushrooming of all these languages, and then they all kind of came back to center and coalesced in one place. And we saw the same thing with like JavaScript, you know. Oh, they have all these variants, and uh, you know, JavaScript is going to take it over, and it's like, uh, yeah, 
a little, but not so much. And it kind of, you feel like you have these ebbs and these flows. I will provide a counter argument to curiosity though. And it's the recent argument about uh, the, the recent article on the, um, the dire need for COBOL programmers <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to keep the, um, what is it? The, uh, is it the, the government office? Yes. yes. Some government office, I think it was New Jersey is where it originated, but um, <laughs> to keep that going. So they're looking for these 40 year old or 40 year out of Vogue um, programmers to, to keep this, room full of refrigerator sized computers with uh, giant reel to reel memory systems running so that they can issue uh, unemployment checks. And um, I, I just don't know how, how we got here. <laughs> what, what, who, who, who looked at that and said, ah, we're good, you know, just, just keep it going, dust those things off, keep them running. Yeah, I'm curious. I'd be curious if we did a if we did a poll, how many people are still working on, you know, even Java one four code, um, you know, while Java is a, a newer language, but one four, I believe, end of life something like ten years ago. I was working. I worked Java one four six years ago, and it yeah. I bet it's still there. Yeah, well, no, because I replaced it. <laughs> <laughs> we're up to we're up to eight, I think, and uh, I just installed eleven on another project this morning. So eight to eleven is still not great, but it's better than four to eleven. And the the question is like, I've written libraries that are not Java one seven, Java one eight compliant. Do I even bother like maintaining that backwards compatibility or do I just make a hard break and say, you know what, if you're not up to eight, you can't use this because um, you're, you're clearly not in a place where you care. I mean, I think that's what it boils down to. And there's oh. always that argument. It's all right. It's that argument. It's like, oh, well, my organization, I, I, I can't, I'm hamstrung by this. And, and, and I'm thinking, no, I think, there's uh there's no will in the organization or you haven't delivered the message correctly but you know all things made by man are fixable by man I, and you know why why would you limp things forward just because well that's the way we've always done it i those are the most toxic words i've ever heard well and so many people are comfortable with what they know and you know it goes back to what you're originally talking about is you know change and learn and continuing to learn um you know, if, if you fail to do that kind of on a daily basis, this industry will, in essence, leave you behind, especially if you want to stay current. Um, right. Right. And there so, are some people who are perfectly happy just coming yeah. in, punching the time clock, doing the same, you know, working in the in the coal mine, just digging coal every single yeah. day. And then, uh, you know, 40 years, got my, my gold watch, my green jacket or whatever, and I'm out of here. See you guys later. And that's fine, uh, but that's not me. Well, it's like uh, the one guy who's on your was on your team. Um, gosh, I can't remember what his name. What he was an older guy, and he didn't want to learn Spring, like, right? Uh, and it was just like, hey, this this is the the wave. And he's like, yeah, I'm not really interested. <laughs> and he went and got some other job. I think you know maintaining some legacy stuff. So. I mean, every, I guess everybody's got a place, but I mean, do we kind of, yeah, you kind of, kind of got to figure out, you know, and the priorities too. I mean, there's a fair amount of my life is spent on the internet looking at these new trends and what's making sense. I mean, I, yeah. again, I'll go yeah, back to Ruby. I remember when Ruby came out, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. You know, looking at it. Cause I mean, Java is full of, of, uh, what do they call it? Boilerplate. You know, you're doing stuff ceremonially, uh, like the whole serialized object and all that fun stuff. And and then, you know, Ruby comes along. It's like, yeah, you don't really need that. Or, um, you know, and then Groovy came on top of that. Like, yeah, you don't really need that. Um, and so those things are those things are fun to look at um, and and to dream about from a developer's perspective because you can you can kind of see yourself it's not that they do anything different. They just do it more efficiently. And you're like, Oh, I could, I could do more with that. Um, but then they have, 
you know, their pitfalls and everything else. And you're like, Hey, and then, and then Ruby to my knowledge is almost dead. Um, I'd be curious, I'd be curious to see what that peak was, um, for, you know, people, uh, you know, doing the job searches of who's looking for Ruby programmers. I think, I think Twitter did a fair job killing it with its, you know, it won't scale issues. And they went, they fell back to Java. So, yeah, I, I will periodically, maybe once a year, just go on Google Analytics and just see what programming languages people are searching for the most, just to kind of make sure I'm like not turning into a COBOL programmer and <laughs> <laughs> and not know it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, grandpa gets left behind again. Uh, what else we got? So we got curiosity, uh, passion. I mean, I think, um, I don't know. I think we made two arguments about that. You and I are clearly passionate about the craft. Uh, there are plenty of people who are not, and they are uh, passionate about that paycheck. And yeah. uh, the guy that you mentioned, uh, I think his name rhymes with Brad. Uh, <laughs> he he was perfectly happy to um, retire. I think he retired like two or three years later. So yeah. you know, for for him, the the passion was gone, and and you know, why be curious? I'm just eking this out for another couple of years and and padding my retirement, and then I'm out of here uh resiliency mm. uh, what does that even mean it's just part of being a, a developer resiliency and the ability to embrace failure upon failure and not be deterred is really important yeah it's almost um uh masochistic it's uh <laughs> i think especially the way that we write code um we fail until we succeed. And when we succeed, we're done. So that, that, that little glimmer of like success is, um, is few and far between, um, the, all of the failures. But to me, I, you know, uh, that, that's, that's the passion or, you know, that's the passion piece. That's the, that's the part I love the best is just, uh, you know, massaging the code and getting it into a place until, everything is working exactly the way I expect it to work. And then, you know, the payoff is really putting, putting a, a really good piece of software in the hands of the user. I think that's where that's the piece that that's most rewarding for me. Um, yeah. Getting that but, reaction of, Hey, I asked for something. These guys over here did it and look, look what, look what we did. And sometimes it's look what I did kind of thing. Um, yeah. But you know, that feels good to, be able to get that to somebody that they can't, you know, they know they want something. It's like building a house. Hey, I want to build a house. And then once the house is built, they're like, yay, I have a house. Um, but yeah, I mean, going, going back to what you're with the, with the definition there, I, I, I got the, I, the idea that popped in my head was like football. You know, you just keep pounding and pounding and pounding yeah. and pounding. Yeah. To, you get a touchdown or a field goal or something, and then guess what? You're back to pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding right. again. So it's like, you know, the payoff, it sometimes, you know, takes a while, but once you get there, it feels really good. Um, you know, one another yeah. adage it's, that popped up, go ahead. You're rarely like that glamour position either. Yeah. You're not the flashy receiver. You're, you're not the quarterback calling all the shots. You're usually the lineman, and your job is to just try to gain – an inch or two yep. and make sure you don't get run over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you are definitely down in the trenches in, in this job. Um, well, one of the, so, much, so much of it's just, you know, just a fight to figure it out. Well, yeah. And then, you know, the adage of fail, fail early, fail often. I mean, I don't know how many people walk around with that as one of their kind of like core tenets of, of what they do is fail early and fail often that says, Hey, this is going to be fun. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't wait to go. To, that's, that's one of the things with uh, test driven development. They say, leave a test broken. So when you come back to work, you know, the next day, yeah. you know where to start. It's like, I can't go, wait to go to work to start failing all over again. Sign yeah. me up for that. It's funny. I've never given, I don't ascribe to that one. I, yeah. I want all my stuff to pass before I go home for that. I've never, or at least if you're going to check it in. <laughs> don't be that guy. Yeah, I've, I've been that guy a lot. I'm on my way to vacation. Check it in and walk away. Because <laughs> that, 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 all, that always works out. Yeah, but I'd never, I I'd never given it any thought. 
until just now as we're talking about it about you know you kind of failure is in the job description um because it's just not that's just not what one of the things that i mean it motivates me to solve the problem and maybe that's what it is it's a puzzle to 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 try and solve so what else do they have they say compassion um you know i think i think what they're trying to say with that is you know you can't um well let's see you won't be the only one making mistakes sometimes another developer will check in code change uh things that will uh cause breaks and you'll spend hours or days trying to figure out what it is that you did to break your code i mean it's the dreaded semicolon yeah you know i mean <laughs> compassion i think that speaks to um more like teamwork but you also have to be compassionate for your um for your users as well because you know you when you're when you're building a solution i don't think it's i don't think it's the right approach to say well you know here's the way you need to use the system in order to be successful um well you have a workaround you have a way to make this work so is this really a problem i've seen that before and i i, I try to take the opposite approach it's like how do you want me how do you want to use the system yeah. and let me see what i can do to make it work that way for yeah. you or even be even be able to talk to them about it. You know, they might say, "I want X," and you're like, "Do you really? You yeah. know, maybe maybe you really want Y, but you didn't know about it, or you, right. you didn't know how to communicate that um, in in a way. You know, hey, I only I only know Excel spreadsheets, so if you could add a new column, we'd be good. And it's like, ah, uh, that's how we start every conversation we have with with our with our customers. Is you know you know, what, what, are, what's your biggest challenge? You know, what are you dealing with right now that's impacting your life? And is there something that we can do to make that better? And it might be dumb. It might be trivial. Like, oh, you know, we got to, we, we have this process where every day we have to print out this specific Excel spreadsheet with this specific format. Okay. Well, how long does that take you? Well, it takes me about an hour a day. So, okay. So if I can write something that saves you five hours in your work week, <laughs> what would you do with those five hours? What, yeah. what would you do with, you know, how would that make you feel? And, you know, it's not, you know, my dream job to make Excel spreadsheet programs, but if it's going to help somebody out, you know, that's that, I think that's more of the compassion piece to me is, you know, understanding what your users are dealing with yeah. and trying to, um, you know, live a, live a day in their shoes so that you can kind of, solve problems for them well even a way to maybe even um provide a, a a different mechanism of understanding as a developer uh a lot of time for you to be more productive you would hopefully you've you've memorized quite a few keyboard shortcuts because it takes a lot of time to drag that mouse around the screen and click and copy and paste and if you could do it in three keystrokes wouldn't you want to do that or two keystrokes or maybe even one um so i mean the things that help you get your job done, you know, they're asking, you know, they're potentially asking for the same thing that you can help, you know, foster that along to, you know, in, in the end, they're all trying to do a job. And if you can give them time, um, that's a valuable thing to go back to what you were talking about before. How much is your time worth? Right. Absolutely. One, and you know, from a business perspective, how much time do you want your people to spend, you know, creating Excel spreadsheets, or would you rather have them more focused on, I don't know, building more business or, you know, doing business faster? Yeah. Well, you can, you can really take a deep dive and, and figure out the dollars and cents on time spent doing just repetitive things like that. Yep. Uh, let's see. The last two are humility and sense of humor. I totally buy the sense of humor thing. Um, we've, we've I don't, worked with, I don't with understand people. that part. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll explain it to you later. Uh, humility, uh, staying humble. Um, there are a lot of alpha dogs in in this business. Um, uh, it, it almost almost comes with the territory. And um, but the minute you start to think that your your code is above reproach, that you know you just write the best stuff that that you. Uh, you're the best thing going, I guarantee I'll find an issue with, with something you've written. And 
The question is going to be, how are you going to respond when I point that out to you? Because I'm humble. I, I am the first one to fall on the sword, but I also know that I know what I'm doing. Um, and if, uh, if, if I make a mistake, I'm learning from that mistake so that I, I can't make that mistake again. And we put a lot of stuff in place to make sure that, um, you know, we point those mistakes out to us again, failing early, failing often. We're, we're, we're trying to identify uh, our mistakes way out in front so that they don't ever end up, you know, going out the door. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got even mental lapses, um, you know, or, you know, Everybody who writes code, I think, will come back to their code if they haven't had the opportunity to come back and look at it in six months and be like, who wrote this? Yeah, we, what is this crap? You, <laughs> you did there, buddy. Um, I've, I've had those moments. So, but I mean, and I mean, the sense of humor thing, I mean, I know there's a, somewhere out there, there's a Reddit. I'm certain of it. Um, it used to be passed around as like internet memes or whatever where, developers put in funny comments about you know the code i wish i could pull something like that up right now um but yeah i mean if you can't well if you can't laugh i mean you're clearly not having fun and who wants to work at a job that's no fun right so i mean i you know to talk about to go back to one of your other terms um you know i i don't see myself like the from the passion perspective like when i quote unquote retire I, I still see myself writing code. I still see myself, you yeah. know, experimenting with Arduinos or right. Raspberry some, something. Something, right. right. Yeah, I, I, right. I don't I, I don't know how to give that up. Like, it's it's a kind of a core yeah. part. It's not a job for me. Did I tell you I hacked my um, my, my kids' schoolwork assignments? Uh, so, do, so you wanna, getting... do you want to do we want to say that live here? <laughs> no, I, didn't, I didn't do the answers for them. I um but every day kids, your dad is saying sorry right now. Every day I've got to <laughs> print out these these worksheets for them. And it was, you know, it took me like five or six minutes. I'd have to, oh my gosh, five whole minutes, maybe 10 minutes, but I had to pull them up and find each individual ones, and then I would print out each copy and um you know, and then the kids would go off and do their stuff. And I was like, this really feels convoluted. I think I'm equipped to solve this problem. So I started doing some tinkering around with some, some, uh, with an RPA process, robotic process automation, which I'm now totally in love with. Um, but I just did a real rudimentary program. It, uh, it reaches out to the websites that I need pulls down the PDF files and then sends them all to my printer. Super nice. straightforward. Maybe, you know, maybe 10 lines of code it took me about, uh, probably took me longer than it should have. But I, since I was new to it, it, took me maybe 45 minutes, right? So I did a 45 minute program, saves me 10 minutes a day. Uh, today, it's been running four days now. Today is the payoff day. I'm now playing with house money. So everything from here on out is time saved. So I don't know what I'm going to do with all the extra time that I've, that I've created for myself. But that's the kind of stuff that you're right. Like even when I'm not working a job to get paid for it, I'm 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 tinkering with something. I'm I'm I've got a, a stack of Raspberry Pis at home that um, that's going to be a, a cluster here real soon. Um, you know, I'm just 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 doing stuff to 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 learn and and kind of feed that passion i'm sure the wife agrees it's going to be a cluster of something oh, <laughs> yes she did mention it is already a cluster of um it needs it needs to be removed from the living room but uh it, <laughs> if you have it making beer i think you're on the right track I'm, I'm not there yet but i have um i have seen the plans so uh -oh. there's potential for that uh oh there's so you're gonna check check your uh was the alcohol content with that um oh what's this what's the little dropper thing that you're testing um oh yeah the uh, the gravity you want yes yeah specific gravity yeah hydrometer yeah so there are systems that are out there for that that are Wi-Fi enabled and will give you you know a dashboard of the conditions of your beer as you're brewing your beer wow. I didn't have the money to, uh, to, to go that deep on it, but, uh, <laughs> but I know it can be done. I know oh, it can be done. 
That's funny. What led you to on this path? How did you get to this place? I mean, where did you, I know where we met eight years ago, but I mean, was this your dream job? Like, how did you, how did you get to this place? Um, and don't tell me the parts where like, because we work together now that, that suck. You can yeah. Keep those um, no, I mean, I started out my, my first degree was in psychology and I wanted to be a doctor and I, I, I still see a lot of parallels between being a doctor and being, um, you know, uh, uh, the jack of all trades that I am, um, you know, try there's, it's always trying to solve a problem. And for the most part, it's a educated guess. I think I feel like that's still why they call it practicing medicine because they don't truly know. <laughs> see the see the COVID nineteen stuff and how many how many misfires that are going on with that. But um, so I started out with that. Uh, I I met up with uh, an academic advisor during the summer, um, and he was not my standard academic advisor. So he looked at my my grades and stuff and said, "Hey, where do you?" where do you want to, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, I'd like to be a doctor. And he said, uh-huh, uh-huh, what else? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, based based on that, he's, you know, he told me, he's like, hey, you know, yeah, you can go down to the Bahamas and get, you know, go get a degree <laughs> to be a doctor. But typically doctors are like straight A's and, you know, extracurricular stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm not telling you can't, but it's not likely. Um, so what else do you want to do? And I was like, well, well, at the time computers were, you know, just kind of coming on the scene, um, as far as like everybody having a computer and my girlfriend at the time had purchased a computer that didn't come with a CD-ROM. Well, they don't come with CD-ROMs now, but it's for a different reason. Um, so I had went to Walmart and bought a CD-ROM that came with a sound card in a box. Like it was all, everything was in a box. Uh, I want to say this is Windows 98. I, man, for some reason, I want to say it was Windows 3.1 or Windows 95. Oh, it was it was an old version of Windows. Uh, this is this is around the time where AOL was the primary way everybody got on the internet. Thousand free minutes. Yes. Um, so, but she didn't have a CD-ROM to actually use the the thing that they that was in the mail for everybody. So I'm like, oh, we can do this. We can do this. So I went and bought, we went and bought the thing and I installed it. And she was so worried I was going to break the computer. I'm like, they wouldn't sell it at Walmart in a box if it was going to break anything. I mean, I still remember her being so violently angry with me. And she's like, if you broke this thing, anyways. So I did, I put it all together, got it all working. And, you know, I had an interest in that. And so he's, so my, the advisor told me, he's like, well, if you like computers, you've already got enough credits to pass or to graduate with your psychology degree. Take every computer class we have at the university and, um, and, then, and see, see where that gets you. So I took that advice and, you know, kind of haven't lo looked back. Um, I, I really liked it um, to the point where I got out with a minor in computer science and just for anybody who's curious, a minor in anything is worthless. Um, yeah, nobody true. cares. Nobody cares if you've gotten a minor in anything. Um, At a certain point, they don't even care what you have a major in, to this, be honest. Uh, yes, uh, that is also <laughs> true. Um, but so I, uh, one of the guys uh, that was in my class, you know, became really good friends um, and he, hit me up over the summer and he's like, Hey, I got an extra room in the apartment if you're coming back. And I signed back up, went back, finished out my degree. Got, so I got a second degree in computer science and, um, you know, that's how, and, the, and my, and while in, in doing that, the, you know, the web starting to blow up, um, and, and, uh, you know, the database really fascinated me. So my, like my dream job was to build kind of web front end database back end systems and that was the very first job that i landed in and i landed in a position that they knew i was fresh out of college and knew damn near nothing um and they wanted that like they're like hey you can do some o uh, some uh some ojt some job training and um you know you can learn and help us 
so you can grow as a developer, as a person. Um, is this around around the the dot com like year two thousand type time frame? Um, this would have been two thousand one. So it was uh, yeah. like I want to yeah. say I was at work. I think I've been to work like uh, let's see since July, the end of July, before nine eleven. So I was at I had been to work what just a few months uh, when nine eleven happened. So. Um, you know, to, to put dates on it, <laughs> but that's how I got interested in it. And then just haven't, I haven't stopped learning a day since. I mean, that, that project that was on started on, uh, ASP, um, with the hope, with the hope of moving to, um, to Java. Um, so it was, they were using ASP as a prototype running on, um, was it an IAS? Or on on a Windows platform. Matter of fact, our very first demos were on an actual like standard home PC tower, um, wow. and that graduated from there to the point where I I got enough knowledge and information to by the time we we went live with the production system, we had three racks. I think it was three racks of, full of servers and UPSs and switches and everything else, and I helped spec all that stuff out and uh everything how else was, so, how big was this company oh it was i mean it, it was um uh it was on a government contract for the um for the national archives so the company itself is um is large i mean i guess i can say it's it's saic um but our group was a very small that isn't a thing anymore saic no they're uh what is it uh lidos, lidos yeah so, um, but we were a small group, like the SAIC was based out of DC and we were a small group out of that DC unit. So there was only five of us. Um, and while we worked in the SAIC building, we were the only ones doing what we were doing, the only ones on the contract. So, um, but I mean, That's I learned, I, I learned okay. so much from that. Like I was a systems administrator, a database administrator, a hardware uh administrator i mean i i did from soup to nuts everything straight out of college so yeah, i mean i think there's a lot of value in doing that and we, you know we'll probably talk in a future broadcast about being a specialist versus being a generalist but i spoiler alert i'm totally in the camp of of generalization yeah i, I was thinking about that the other day that i i'm definitely i'm definitely a generalist um I'd, I'd probably even say the technologist, the technology mm -hmm. as a whole, you know, yeah. fascinates me. And I generally try and find a, enough about something, whether, you know, to, to figure out, hey, is this a, something I want to follow up on or eh, it's a little too, little too early. Like, for example, machine learning and AI, like everyone's hyping machine learning and AI, everybody hyped. So on web services and ESBs and stuff. And, and the funny thing is, is when I first heard of it, when I first heard of web services and things of that nature, I immediately started thinking of websites talking to each other because that was my understanding of things. And that, that was the furthest from what they were talking about. But now today, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that my brain went to, the simplest of explanations and the solution that they were talking about was some multi-tiered, multi-layered, convoluted mess that never, never quite took hold. Took hold just enough to just be in our way all the time for some reason. Um, you know, with soap and all that fun stuff, XML. Um, but, but as a whole, you know, they've kind of moved away from all of that to just simple communications from server to server and it's i mean it's a lot nicer but it took them a while to get there i don't so, know why you hate xml so much it's, it's i structure I, I i i can't say i don't i i hate it that's a strong word uh just the i guess the usage of it's kind of clunky so so uh when did you start jumping jobs and why did you start when did i start jumping jobs well i stayed at seic for i think for seven seven years i think something like that which and that's I, how you and i put together that we actually shared an office like six the same building. Yeah, <laughs> the same building probably the same exact office like i think you were there like six years before i was there 
but we, I think we had like literally the same office, different companies. I think it was like three times removed. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, we, we live in, um, in, uh, coastal Virginia and that's, um, it's a, it's a pretty small ecosystem down here, especially yeah. for people who do what we do. Yeah. Um, but so I was there seven years and, um, the project was starting to wind down. I started to learn a lot more. Um, I'd actually attended my first uh, developer conference, which was um, uh, a no stuff, just no fluffs, just stuff uh, conference for spring. So this even predates um, like spring one. That's a big thing now. It used to be Java one was the, the big developer conference. But I went to that. It was really small. There's only 250 uh attendees uh it's an entire weekend and like my world was opened up so i mean there's only so much you can learn on your own um i distinctly remember during that time period several of the guys used the term refactoring and i never knew i i couldn't i didn't know enough to write that term down that it would be such a an important aspect of what i do mm -hmm. um but the refactoring I went to a Java users group and I said, Hey, there's this thing where you like change code, but you want to make sure you're not breaking stuff. And the, and the guys are looking at me and they're like, you mean refactoring? I'm like, that's the word. And so I was in that conference. I was introduced to unit testing. I was introduced to spring as a, as a, as a, uh, a platform or framework. Um, I was introduced to uh, test driven development. Um, I mean, all kinds of different things. And so I took that, was so super excited, went back to my my manager and 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 team lead and stuff and was like, hey, we need to do this. And they're like, yeah, that's all great, but the contract you're on is in a, is in a mode of uh, maintenance only. Mm -hmm. So I was just gonna be fixing bugs and making enhancements that supported our existing functionality. And it was like, uh, kind of see the writing on the wall. Like an opportunity for refactoring you're just you're just uh dialing it in right yeah yeah if we couldn't justify doing the work we we weren't going to get paid for it so so that so i moved on from there um i don't remember where i went next i want to say i want to say i went to ferguson and was a third party or third third tier support there thinking i could get into the development uh structure there um they they were going all in for SAP and that project got scrapped. So there was a pretty big shakeup um, at the organization. Plus it was 65 miles one way to work. <laughs> yeah. So I jumped from there to yeah. the podcast world. Uh, so you, your best option there is morning talk radio and um, book on tape. Yeah. Um, so let's see, I jumped from there to- tape. I said tape. Look at me, Grandpa. Yeah. What's that? That's interesting, you know, we're talking, we talked earlier about, um, you know, legacy stuff that the Ferguson was still referencing some of the technologies that they used, you know, back in the day, mainframe stuff. So they would talk about, uh, I want to say they used the term tape. Uh, to refer to something that was general that had started its life on tape, nobody still nobody still worked for the company that would have even known it as tape, but because that that uh, domain language was passed down, they still kept referring to it as tape. Um, and I, I at one point I'm like, why do they call this tape? And one of the one of the older developers, one of the original developers of their mainframe system, was still there. Um, and he's like, well, they used to have these things on tape and they used to, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, why are we even having that conversation? So, I mean, you can think of, you can think of how difficult it might be to, to upgrade from these old platforms. I mean, if, if the, the lexicon in the, in the organization is even such that it's the vocabulary has survived, even though the technology has gone. Right. Um, I mean, that's, you, you can only imagine how difficult it is to up, uproot some of that stuff. But, um, yeah, so I jumped from there to some small company that was, that was eventually doomed to go out of business because their, their main focus was paper or paper products, right. I should say, you know, they're, they're Dunder putting Mifflin. out, what's that? Dunder Mifflin? 
<laughs> not not paper in that sense, but like a um, like a annual like um, uh, something akin to phone books, but for like mm -hmm. alum alumni and stuff. And then this oh, yeah, this yeah. this kind of this is when Facebook started to come on, and people didn't need that access anymore, or they could get instant access. So having a a piece of uh, p having a book with all my alumni information, and it was kind of irrelevant at that point like i said that company has since kind of going out of business and so that led us that led me to where you and i met um and then i went from there to to a third-party logistics company to start in prime three so and then, yeah and i sucked you into my orbit yeah <laughs> so but what about you i mean how'd you get how'd you get rolling on all this stuff it's funny that you mentioned wanting to be a doctor because yeah i from like I remember seventh grade onward, I that was what I always wanted to be. And um, you know, you do those career assessments when you're like 12 years old, and you're like, I was like, I'm gonna be a doctor one day. And then I started watching um watching ER on on NBC and um like just seeing all these things that the doctors had to memorize and stuff, and I was like, I I don't have the capacity for that. I just can't. <laughs> I can't remember that much stuff. Um, and then right around the same time, they were starting to offer programming classes in my high school. And uh, which, looking back, you know, feels pretty progressive for the time. Um, but I'd always, you know, we had, you know, the one like Apple II in the classroom in, in, in my elementary school where you could play like Oregon Trail or like Number Crunchers or whatever, Carmen San Diego. And I was always fascinated by computers and um, programming so um you know how how you know just you know take that big five and you know, a quarter inch floppy disk and you know like you can play a game from this thing i just the, the, it, it seemed like magic to me so you know I, I was drawn to them we had um we had some computer offerings in in high school and i was like hey that it looks kind of interesting so um I, I signed up and was taking a couple of programming classes in high school, right around the time uh, I, got, I got accepted into college and they said, you know, pick your degree. And I was like, well, these computers seem pretty fun. Um, and I just went down the index and they said computer science. And I was, that was like the first one I found. I was like, oh, okay. So I, I signed up for computer science, not really knowing what it was about or, or um, you know, what I was really getting into. And um, I was like three years into my, no, I was a senior in college and, um, and I was like, ah, this really just doesn't seem to excite me the way I thought it would. So I went and talked to my counselor and he's like, yeah, you know, what, what do you think? And I was like, well, you know, maybe I was thinking about like maybe taking a look at computer engineering. Cause I, you know, the, I liked the hardware aspect of things a little bit more than, than the programming. And, you know, everything we did in, in, in college was, um, you know, abstract. It was like academic. So it was around, you know, write an operating system that manages resources. And I'm like, that's cool and all, but not really, you know, I'd, I'd rather solve like real world problems and, you know, build user interfaces and, and, you know, this, this, this pursuit of like, you know, sorting a binary tree isn't really my my you know exciting to me so anyway, my, my counselor pulled up my grades and he's like um no you should probably just graduate and get a job <laughs> and i was like okay <laughs> noted so i graduated right after the dot-com bubble had burst and um so i come out of school with like a newly minted computer science degree and um nobody will hire me because everybody uh, needs to have two plus years experience. Um, and I have no experience and, um, you know, no prospects. So it was, um, my, my first job was literally in the mail room. Um, I was temping for a large defense contractor, um, just answering the phones for a vice president who explicitly told me don't answer the phones when I'm not here. And he was never there. So I basically sat there for six weeks um, they didn't even, uh, this is back in the day when they wouldn't turn on your internet for you. Cause, um, you know, internet was kind of a, uh, not something that they, <laughs> not everybody got internet access. It was kind of a special thing. 
So um, I read a lot of books for the first couple of weeks and then I uh, just started walking around asking people if I could help them. And I met, met a lady who was, um, she was managing some international contracts and uh, she had an entire um, process around like these, all these binders and all this information she'd keep. And then like a, an entire like supply closet just full of binders and file cabinets. I was like, have you ever considered just putting all this in a database. And she says, do you know how to do that? And I said, well, the only thing that I have access to is Microsoft Access. I said, but I think I can make you a database that would keep track of all this stuff. So in three weeks, I wrote her a database. And by that point, they extended my my stay there um, indefinitely and said, um, you know, we'll find a place for you. So I took all the, all the files out of the file cabinets, put it all into this Access database and um you know condensed uh her entire process onto this one jazz drive if you remember those <laughs> yep um, so by that point they said uh you know we don't really do anything technical here but uh, we've got this website that we use for lobbying um lobbying congress i was i was living up in dc at the time uh, do you want to run the website? And I was like, sure, I can run a website. So uh, I, they were grooming me to become a junior lobbyist. Uh -oh. And, uh, and uh, I was going to, um, you know, political action committee dinners and that kind of thing. And um, right around that time, my security clearance came through. And then I had lots of job opportunities. So <laughs> I, um, It's amazing. I, 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 know. <laughs> so I, had, I had 13 job interviews in one day. And um, they basically said, which one do you want? So uh, I ended up taking a job where we were um doing some way ahead of our time way way ahead of our time um natural language processing and like wow. uh, aggregating just a whole bunch of different data sources into one cohesive picture um and uh it was a defense contract so we were you know we were kind of doing things a little bit differently because the we were I don't know how you would categorize it, but we were kind of a, 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 a critical system in that I was writing code on a Wednesday night and it was being used in Iraq in the field on Thursday morning. So we were talking directly with, you know, the guys who were on the ground. We were, you know, pushing, pushing new versions of the software out there. You know, they would tell us, hey, it'd be great if we could do X, Y, and Z. And we'd be like, yeah, I think we could do that. And that was basically... The, the our requirements and we would go off for a day or two and hack something together and then just pump it out there and they'd be using it that same week so it was really cool um did that for a few years but um dc is a, a different beast if um if, if anybody's ever lived up there it's uh it's 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 a culture uh unlike any place else i've been so uh and i grew up there so i <laughs> i i had had enough at that point and uh my wife and I decided to to move down here to coastal Virginia. Did more defense contracting. I was I was on that first job for um, I I, worked, I bounced around contracts, but I was on that first job for eight years. But the problem is when you start in the mailroom, you maintain mailroom pay for yeah. like the and, and especially working for big companies. Like this is I, I have lots of gripes around how businesses get run, and maybe I'll get into these someday. But when you your corporate policy is you know uh we're going to do an annual review and we're going to bump people up either three four five or six percent and only the high performer gets six percent and most everybody's going to get somewhere around three and when you started in that place three percent year over year doesn't really get you very far so i i felt a lot of resentment at that point i was like you know i'm doing the work of a lot of people right now i'm i'm the highest performer on my project for the past few years i'm leading a team and i'm still making less than pretty much everybody here so i just started looking around and um and uh started bouncing jobs at that point and then i was taking you know i was taking 10 plus percent increases every time I bounce jobs at that point. And I would bounce jobs every two years, roughly. But there's something to be said for that. And that was the, the, the trick for me. And, you know, we could probably talk about this in a future broadcast too, is, um, you know, the, I've, I've been places where I make a lot more money than I make right now, but, you know, 
it would be Tuesday morning and I'd ha I'm having to give myself a pep talk. You know, it's only four more days. You can do this, man. Let's get through the, you know, and <laughs> that's, you know, it's, it's easy to say when you're making good money, that money isn't everything, but um, enjoying what you're doing is, is far more valuable. So that, that was kind of a turning point for me. I kind of hit that high point. And then I said, you know, I need to start focusing on work that's uh, more rewarding for me. And it was right around that same time that I was starting to think, you know, maybe, maybe I could start a business. Maybe I could, you know, um, do things a little bit differently and, 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 and uh, focus on, on different things than companies that I've focused on in the past. And, uh, and then we ran into each other and um, we stayed in touch, uh, you know, between working together for a few years and then, you know, we went our separate ways and then uh, found a way to come back together. But um, it's been a, I've done a lot of things and uh, I've done a lot of, a, a lot of wild projects and, um, you know, I'm still having fun with it. And I think at the end of the day, you know, even when you fail all day long, that's, you know, when you can take a look back and, at 10,000 feet and say, Hey, check this out. I did the thing that, you know, I really enjoy doing, um, you know, it's really not so bad. It's really not that bad. And at a certain point, oh, I remember like um, I was taking, so I still, I had graduated. It had been a couple of years and I was going to a local university to, um, to kind of pursue a master's degree in uh, computer engineering. Cause it was still something that was interesting to me. And, um, but I was programming day in and day out at that point. And, um, we had to use a microcontroller to build something. And that was the, 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 um, the direction that the professor gave us, just build something cool. And it was like, okay, thanks for that specific guidance. So, um, I built a, uh, I built out a, uh, an Etch-a-Sketch and it basically, I took the microcontroller, hooked it up to some motors. The motors drove the knobs on the Etch-a-Sketch. And then I wrote the program so that you could, uh, it was all menu driven, but you would specify like move the cursor to where you want it. And then I had preset scripts in there that would draw a circle, a triangle and a square. And um, the programming was so easy to me. You know, I did that in like the matter of two days, but the hardware was insane. And I, you know, they're talking about, oh, I just hook an oscilloscope up to it and check this and do that. And oh. I'm like, you know what? I'm way out of my depth here. I really am digging the programming at this point. Uh, the hardware, basically, this Etch a Sketch cost 500 bucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, I smoked the whole microcontroller and had to have them overnight next day mail me one from Texas because the project was due in two days. Oh. And um, I, I spent a premium on that. And uh, it was at that point I was like, you know what, you know, maybe software is really for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I have not looked back. I do not uh, do not have any regrets. And it was funny because all the computer engineering students that I'm with, they're all like, man, the hardware was easy, but man, that programming was so tough. And yeah. I'm like, you guys, you know, that's the thing about greener pastures is like, there's, you know, no matter what, uh, there's there's always crap on the pasture. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's for sure. So here we are, um, you know, and, and I think, um, I think the, the passion probably was there in some form for both of us in the beginning. Um, and, and, and I think it comes through, uh, it's just grown, you know, day in and day out. I see that from you when we're working together, uh, you know, for, for just solving problems and, and, um, making an impact on our customers. I think, um, I think that that shines through in everything we do. If we, if we talked about those, those six things that make a programmer, I think passion is, is definitely my number one. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely have to, I, I can't disagree with that one because without, because without it, I mean, you're, it's just a job. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a job. And there's plenty of places I can go and work a job. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this has been great. Um, I think we'll, 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 we'll wrap it up right here and then um, look for us in future broadcasts. We're going to put this out on, um, on YouTube. We're going to podcast it. We're going to slice and dice it. We're going to put it on all the socials. 
Uh, you can find us at forloveofcode.com. That's F-O-R, loveofcode.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, we are literally building this car while we are careening down the highway. So bear with us, we are gonna get it better. But um, we look forward to uh, sharing more of, of our stories, um, our thoughts on, on the craft that we love. And, uh, you know, reach out to us uh, in the comments. Let us know what you think. And um, we look forward to uh, talking to you soon.